Welcome to Love Essie, the podcast. Hello, everyone. It's me again. I've got an episode for you. And this week, I'm talking about Eva Lee's My Fake Rake, which is the first book in the um, Union of the Rakes, Rakes series. Um, I How did I find this book? Somebody was talking on Twitter about the most recent book in the series um, that just, I believe, came out, I want to say, last month or the month before, um, Waiting for a Scot Like You. And I was like, hmm. But then I, it sounded interesting because it's one of those, the Duke is looking for a wife and it's, um, wait, is that Waiting for a Scot Like You? Or is there another one? No, waiting for a Scott like you. Where am I getting the idea of the the girl? Oh no, that's the Lorraine Heath one. Sorry, y'all. That anyway. <laughs> Sometimes with the historical romances, because there are books everywhere, I get confused. And because there are rakes everywhere, I get confused. But in this case, I got confused. Okay, no. Yes, I'd heard about waiting for a Scott like you. And I was like, oh, interesting. But for some reason, and then someone had mentioned like my fake rake. And I was like, oh, let me look into that. So I borrowed it from the library because I was like, you know, let, let's see what what is happening here. Um, and the premises, I'm going to read you guys, I guess, the blurb. <sighs> Ready, guys? Blurb time. Lady Grace Wyatt is content as a wallflower focusing on scientific pursuits rather than the complications of society matches. But when a handsome celebrated naturalist returns from abroad, Grace wishes for once to be noticed. Her solution? To build, in air quotes, the perfect man who will court her publicly and help her catch his eye. Grace's colleague, anthropologist Sebastian Holloway, is just the blank slate she requires. Sebastian agrees to let Grace transform him from a bespectacled bookish academic into a dashing, albeit fake, rake. Between secret lessons on how to be a rogue and exaggerated public flirtations, Grace's feelings for Sebastian grow from friendship into undeniable, inconvenient, real attraction. If only she hadn't hired him to help her marry someone else. Sebastian is in love with brilliant, beautiful Grace, but their bargain is complete and she desires another. Yet when he's faced with losing her forever, Sebastian will do whatever it takes to tell her the truth, even if it means risking his own future and his heart. So I was like, oh, okay, kind of a fake dating scenario kind of thing, but like fake dating, like it is in like, you know, historical romances, which is very different from like contemporary modern day fake dating. So I was like, okay, let me, let me try this. Let me do this. And then I started reading and it was so, so enjoyable of a book. I read a lot of historicals. I've always read a lot of historicals, partially because there were so many at my public library. And one of the things that I've all, I wouldn't have considered it when I was younger, but I do consider it now that I think is really interesting is the word, <laughs> is that often, or not often, let me rephrase that, in many of the historical romances that I read, there is a complete, a complete um, lack of acknowledging that this world is set in the real world and you're going girl what do you mean I will tell you what I mean these books are set in a historical time period still on planet earth right this is not a historical time period on a different planet this is not a historical time period on a different galaxy dimension it is planet earth it is cities that existed then that exist today right very often they're set in London or the surrounding countryside. And very often there is zero acknowledgement, notice, um, mention of things like people of color. 
And that doesn't mean that I'm expecting books to be filled, but it, it stretches the imagination in a ludicrous way to think that in cities, in a city like London, right, um, the sort of focal point and the capital of a global empire that coined the phrase, the sun never sets on the British empire, that there wouldn't be people of color. And not just like people of color, like literally like sweeping the garbage on the street, but like owning a bookstore. Why wouldn't they be merchants? Why wouldn't that exist? And yet you can very well read historical romance and think that 1800s London all the way is absolutely 100% Caucasian with like some spicy Caucasians coming from Italy and I was like girl what how where why so one of the things that I absolutely absolutely loved about this book was the acknowledgement and not even because it doesn't have to be complicated it was very easy because again I don't think it's hard I don't think it's hard to think that maybe somebody who is a merchant owns a store, owns a, works in a trade, might not be a white person. Because, like, duh, that happened. Um, so there was that. The other thing, it was really interesting how, I think I've mentioned before in other episodes, when One of the things that's interesting about historical romance, I keep saying interesting, whatever. One of the things that strikes me about historical romance um, is that the world building is often builds upon the idea of common knowledge. And a lot of that has to do because there are so many historical romance novels. If you are already a reader, there's almost this idea that you have the common knowledge. And once you are a reader of the genre of this specific genre there are certain things that are kind of always going to be the same right Eton I don't know if it's Eton or Eton I'm gonna call it Eton is a school for for young boys right young boys into you know basically just before adulthood if you've ever read a historical romance novel you know that this is like a boarding school for you know usually men of the aristocracy but there was a had to have been scholarship cases this said and the other so that something like that is sort of like a common thing that doesn't have to necessarily be broken down and explained in full detail because again if you've ever read more than one you've probably heard it mentioned um of course you might be thinking well Esther I've never read a single historical romance novel so would I be lost and confused and I don't think so um I bring this up because the book the prologue is set at that school specifically um because that is where um the group that is also the title of the series the union of the rakes is formed um is formed at the school these young men come together and form this group of essentially the due to forced proximity of them being stuck in the school together and being grouped together, I believe it's for detention, they end up forming a a friendship group that exists now that they are all adults, right? Um, But I thought it was, I think what I really appreciate about Eva Lee is that she is showing us this world that in many ways we've seen on the page before, both from her and other authors, but she's showing it with, I think, more nuance in a way. Um, And I really, really, really appreciated that. Now, I don't want to like completely spoil it. Um, So I guess now I'll talk about the more sort of broad themes. I think I really liked that this, you know, our main character who's a wallflower, who is someone who is involved in science, her conflict wasn't necessarily, um, her conflict wasn't that her family hated that she was interested in science and was doing everything to stop her from being involved in science. They were very much aware that this is, this was their daughter's passion and as far as they could help her in it, 
they were willing to to help her which again I think is really interesting and I really like because there are authors or that's sort of like part of the conflict like the main character really wants to be a woman of science and her family's like absolutely not not today not ever now no girl what do you mean um or it's like your parent your father your mother you know really was like you know your champion in that regard but they've passed away and therefore now you you have no one in your corner kind of thing that wasn't the case here that wasn't sort of like um the stumbling block um the stumbling block still had to do with the way society viewed her or how she internalized that but it wasn't the conflict wasn't from her home and from being misunderstood or you know just ignored by her own family which also I was like oh okay like that is really cool that she isn't just um that she doesn't have to deal with both the censure and the um the negativity from both the her home life and you know the public sphere it was just one or the it was just the, the outside not the sort of her home um and then in Sebastian's case right again when you've read when you read historicals I mean a rake is it's a common term right it's a man who's suave who's debonair who's handsome and who's just you know having oh sorry that's the chair making noise oops having multiple affairs with women and just being very you know they're very much a man and going about town and just being you know the kind of man that other men look up to that women want to be with that sort of thing but what is it like when you aren't that kind of a man right like what kind of life do you live um I also really like that you know he was an anthropologist um seeing a man of science who is interested in humanity and you know the the rituals and the traditions and the the ways in which humans interacted um I thought that was also really cool to see because I also think when I've seen men of science in historical novels they're often um interested in the natural world um they're interested in you know the flora the fauna um that kind of stuff so I thought it was really cool to see that Sebastian was into anthropology itself and like humanity and 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 that and how how things were passed on and what things you know still exist for you know hundreds of years and what things you know don't um so in in reading it um I really enjoyed it I thought it was such and I also thought it was really a really really good first book and I say this because sometimes the first book of a series does a fantastic job building the world that you're in but the romance kind of falters there isn't enough there or we don't spend enough time with the couple, or we don't really understand their motivations fully, or there are aspects of the two of them that just aren't fully flushed out. And so you're almost, you're left wondering, like, but does this really work? And I think that she was able to strike a really great balance in introducing us to this world, but also really giving us, you know, Grace and Sebastian's love story. Now, I do think that a part of that has to do with the fact that, again, world building within um, the historical romance context doesn't have to be as in-depth as world building when you're creating a literal world from the ground up, or you're creating either a dystopian future world or you're creating a world on another planet galaxy dimension etc that is obviously way more world building has to happen or else people are like what okay i don't understand try again try again in the case of this there are the certain things balls are expected and you don't have to go into massive explanations about why people have balls but 
even though you didn't, even though she didn't need to do that, there was like a moment where the idea of someone having an intimate ball that 200 people are invited to is ludicrous. And that's sort of like alluded to in a tongue in cheek kind of way. Um, I just, I finished the book ready to figure out, find out like which rake, which group of this union of the rakes was next. But I didn't feel like Grace and Sebastian's story was shortchanged in the process of setting up the world. I felt like I got to see the two of them, you know, figure out how that how they felt for each other wasn't just friendship. And then the obstacles of, you know, the and there was, you know, um the miscommunication, right? Where one person where because there's that point often, especially I think with um friends to lovers, where one friend is clearly aware of how they feel. Um and often because they are so in love with this person, they are so focused on the other person's happiness. And in this case it's like, well, we're fake dating for you to end up with somebody else. And so the there is that moment of like, oh well, y'all needed to have a, had a conversation and you didn't. And I'm annoyed, but I I wasn't, I wasn't annoyed. And I know that sounds a little bit like, eh, can I see the fuck? Um, but sometimes I think that some authors, like, they do that whole miscommunication thing, and it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense, because you don't believe, or, uh, let me, I statements, my friends, I statements, I don't believe in either their friendship enough, or I'm just like, this doesn't seem like something the character would do, and so something is missing, and I'm, this characterization just isn't working. So, in this case, I very much could saw and understood the reason for, you know, that like big sort of conflict towards the end or that moment. What is it they call it? The third act or the the dire moment, whatever it's called. Um, but again, it was just, it was really, really well done. And it was just a joy of a book to read. Um, and I think I, I think it really like stood out for me because I've been reading a lot. I mean, I just started telling you guys that I was reading it because it was like, you know, something that, you know, like I already confused it with the Lorraine Heat. Um, so clearly reading a lot of books and my brain is like, where are we? What are we doing? What's happening? Um, but it's definitely a book that I would want to come revisit in the future because it just read so well like it really read I I liked Grace as a character at no point was I like Grace you dumb-witted fool I was just like oh, I, I see why this is happening and I get I get her thought process and I know that you know obviously she's like you know not understanding like what's going on just yet um because I think that's also one of the things that's really interesting about specifically the friends to lovers trope um when the one friend is just it's not clicking for them that like that's what's happening they're just kind of like this is weird why do I feel this way this is odd (laughs) we're just friends right we're just friends this is none of this is real it's all made up because we're just friends and I'm like if your feelings were like a goddamn boa constrictor, you'd be dead. You'd be dead, because they would have got you, because you're being dumb. So I definitely was like, but I, I wasn't, I don't think that um, Grace was ever, like, insufferably dumb about it, and Sebastian was a hero that wasn't, like, overwhelmingly perfect. I mean, he had his issues, but he was also willing to work on himself and also put her first, right? I think in both, they both had this moment of like, 
whatever makes this other person happiest is what should happen, regardless of what I specifically want, which I was like, ah, yes, look at y'all figuring out that that's what really matters. Um, so yes, I really, really enjoyed my fake rake, um, and I'm going to be reading the second book, um, which that's like his other friend, if that, the title of that one is, Would I Lie to the Duke? The title makes me think that the answer is yes, yes, you would lie to the Duke, um, because why, why would you ask that question? The answer wasn't going to be like, hell yeah, girl, um, but yes, I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more spoilery. So if you're like, spoilers, yeah, move, move, you know, you know the drill. Um, you, after the commercial break, you skip forward. But if you don't care about spoilers, or you already read the book, then, you know, clearly, keep listening. Okay, so now I like spoil it, spoil it. So again, if you're like, oh no, I haven't read my fake rake yet, and I want to be like 100% zero spoilers because that would make me sad and you know unhappy stop listening here and fast forward um so grace and sebastian are like we're gonna work together because she needs to get married because her dad is has been unwell and he wants to see basically her father wants to see her married right in case something happens to him, which is, you know, not an illogical thought process at this time. Um, if she doesn't get married, she would have to be dependent on her siblings taking care of her. And that's not necessarily like the kind of situation you want to be in. Um, so Mason is this naturalist who never pays notices that she's a woman. He's like back in town from having been on some expedition. It's like, I need to find a wife. You've got a scientist, like, lady right in front of you, and he's just acting like, that don't matter. And she's all like, but he's, like, attractive and a naturalist, and that would be amazing. And even though she's friends with Sebastian, it's never really clicked to her that, like, he's an attractive man. Now, the other thing that I thought was really interesting um, is that Sebastian has pretty severe social anxiety. Like, he struggles to talk to strangers like completely unable to hold a conversation with someone he does not know once he knows you as comfortable very different thing but when he doesn't know you it's like he freezes and I really appreciated this because I think that sometimes it's really easy to think that the kind of anxiety around social interactions it's like a modern concept it's like a you know, just now, and it's like, that also seems illogical, because humans have been here this whole time, so if people today struggle with the idea of speaking to strangers, and really, you know, are frozen, or stammer, or just, like, can't get words out, and end up feeling really uncomfortable, and, like, the world is ending, and, like, the worst case scenario is going to happen, if that happens today, why wouldn't that have happened in the past? And what would be some of the ways in which someone would figure out how to work through that kind of an issue? Um, obviously, um, because Sebastian is a man, I think it's also different. I don't know. Not to say that this, this wouldn't affect a woman, obviously, no. But I think the way in which it would have been handled would have been differently. In some ways, I think at this time, men can be, you know, in his case, he's focused on science. And as long as he's doing something in that kind of a sphere, his, like, inability or his, him not being able to function really well on a social level can kind of be like, whatever and I think it's also because in this time period um men can still you know find ways to um take care of themselves whereas women do have to find someone to marry it's either find someone to marry or go into work and if you're of a certain background you don't work like you must find a husband or you know hope that a sibling or a family relative 
will essentially take care of you until you pass. Um, so I don't know, like, I wonder, like, what would the book look like if it had been the opposite, right? If Grace had been the one with the severe social anxiety um, as opposed to Sebastian. I'm not entirely sure. But I really, you know, and some people might read and think, well, these may be things that are more common today. But again, um, because Grace at one point is like, oh, you know, we've noticed in the you know, animals when when prey is scared and like once it's like run away and is safe, it has burned off the adrenaline or the adrenaline spike from the fear because it was running. And so she recommends that he should run as a way to sort of burn off some of that energy um, and also like focusing on a glove so that if he does get stuck, he can sort of ground himself um, and taking deep breaths. And again, you might say, well, but that's like, isn't that something that's like of today? But again, why wouldn't this have existed in the past? Because again, these aren't new problems. I, you know, as long as there have been people, there have been people who struggle with anxiety, who struggle with interacting with strangers, who find, you know, it's such an insurmountable kind of a task to speak to other people and to socialize, right? I mean, hello, introverts. Um, so I really appreciated that our main character was having these issues and figuring them out. And it wasn't like, he wasn't just like this perfect dude. Um, he had his issues and he was working through them. And then in her case, um, as opposed to some other books where I feel like the wallflower is just like, yeah, just, you know, you're either a wallflower because you have no money to your name or you're a wallflower because you're ugly. It was like, Grace has a dowry and isn't like a troll by any stretch of the imagination. But Grace was encouraged at home to follow her studies or was at least given the freedom. And so her first season when she's like dancing with different gentlemen, she's talking about the interesting things that she knows. And that's where you get this like barrier because now no one wants to dance with her because that's weird. That's seen as strange. It's like, oh, there's Grace, you know, talking all about snakes and reptiles and amphibians, like weirdo. Um, and so there's this rejection of who she is. And so, of course, I can imagine, like, as a character, like, or as anybody, like, if who you are is rejected um, in a certain setting, you wouldn't really want to return to it. Um, and which is, I think, also why she focuses on Mason as a as the choice for a husband, because not only does she not see Sebastian in that light when we start the book, but Mason, at least, like, he's a naturalist, so he's interested. And, of course, the hope is that Mason would be the kind of husband who would be okay with his wife, you know, also being in, um, excited and involved and interested in the natural world. Um, and I, I, I uh, again, as someone who reads a lot of historical romance, I like that that's how it was played out um, and that there wasn't necessarily like one specific bully um, because sometimes I think in some books it's easy to be like there's one bully and everyone else just kind of goes along so really there's just one person that's a problem and like is it just one person or was it everybody because sometimes it's not about just one person being mean and I and also I think it's easy to fall into this, like, well, if they're not mean, then, like, how bad can it be? And it's like, people don't have to be mean or cruel to be hurtful, right? Um, belittling you, making you feel small, doesn't need to be done in a, like, an overtly malicious sort of way. But it happen- It can happen. And I think it's even more insidious when it's not overtly malicious, not overtly cruel because then it's very easy to then gaslight the person into like that's not what that meant or that's not that can't be as bad as you thought it would be and and so I did like that it wasn't like we had a specific villain that Grace had encountered 
And yet everybody else was just like unaware or following the villain's lead. It was like, no, unfortunately, everyone was kind of poo-poo or not understanding because they hadn't given her a chance based on this preconceived notion that's like, but you're a woman and you, like, why do you know these things? Or why would you bother? You should just, you know, focus on like, you know, the, the, the things that women should focus on. Writing a household, children, marriage, dancing, painting, needlework. Um, and then interestingly, like for Sebastian, I think because he, he's part of this group of friends, right? But I think also it isn't until Grace sort of meets him in this way that part of it is like, okay, I really want to help Grace, but I also have my issues. And I was like, okay, well, why shouldn't I work to better myself? And maybe not be, you know, he, I highlighted it because he basically was like, I, you know, don't expect to be perfect, but to be sort of like the best version of himself, which I was like, yes, like that's something that, um, here we go. He, he, what I highlighted was perhaps he might never be what some would call normal, but he could be a stronger, better version of himself. Um, and that's, when he's realizing that, you know, he can move past, you know, the the paralyzing terror of speaking to strangers, and he can be a better and stronger version of who he already is, and that's not going to necessarily be what others would consider normal, but that doesn't, that does, you know, that's not important. He gets to do this for himself, and live a better version of his life, right? Because we see that, like, for Sebastian, he just, you know, he's friends with the Grace and he's got his group of friends, but he's so insular because just speaking to others is such a terrifying exercise um, before he has the tools to help manage that level of anxiety, that level of, of stress caused by the anxiety, Um And I also like that Grace wants to help him get rid of that. Even before Grace is thinking of him in a much more of a romantic um, setting, because he's her friend, she wants to help him become more comfortable in social settings um, because she knows that that's important um, and that that will only benefit him. Um, So I also really like that the two of them really did think about what was best for the other person um and weren't ever of course that you know there's those moments where he's starting to realize he has more feelings for her than friendship and she's all confused like I'm attracted to my friend but I'm, I'm, we're, we're trying to get Mason for me and then it's like and then there are certain books where the couple comes together um before like she realizes this guy that I was trying to get is really not the one for me and it's the one that was helping me and that's where it ends in the case of this book no she ends up like like Sebastian's like Mason is going to choose her I'm going to go and get out of the picture because I don't it's going to be too painful to see this but I can't stop this because this is what been working towards this is what she wants this is her dream and she only realizes basically once Sebastian has gone that unfortunately Mason is not her dream so she has to kind of be like sorry Mason like you're not my dream um but Mason's like well you know I'm going in an expedition you want to come and then like I think one of his friends tracks him down to be like she didn't pick him like what are you doing and he like chases her down there's a whole scene like there's a action scene where he's like she's already on the boat like the boat is leaving the harbor and you would think well that's kind of nope nope he commandeers someone's other boat and they're able to get him to the boat that's trying to like leave I think to go to Greenland um and he ends up you know professing his love and the captain's kind of like what is happening here and her and all her stuff like gets removed from the boat and put on this other boat then it's not back to shore um so very like action movie you know like um think of like 
the chase through the airport and to get to her, to tell her you love her or them or they, whatever, before they get on the plane or before the plane takes off or before the train leaves the station. Um, But it's like technically the train left the station, but you were able to like saddle a horse and keep up because it's like an old timey train and not like, um, not a high speed uh, jet train in like Japan. Um, But it was just, it was really well done and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the next two books. Um, And I'm assuming because there are five friends in this group that there'll be five books I can only hope there's only three I, I mean I guess I'm really hoping that there's there's five but currently there are only three books out um so yeah this was My Fake Rake by Eva Lee Eva Lee Eva Lee John every time I see L-E-I-G-H I'm like is it Lee like L-E-E is it Lay like L-A-Y I don't know I don't know because is it like Ashley? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm always a little confused. But regardless, fantastic book. Really good first book also, I think. Because, oh, our hero for book two is one of the friends that is like really helping Sebastian in this book. So you see enough of him that you're like, hmm, I wonder what kind of book he'll have and I was like well you don't have to wonder for long because book two is out and you can find out um so I really really enjoyed it um and can't wait to read um more um she has in terms of books she also um there's a historical romance anthology break I'd like to uh, um which there was Duke I like to F I believe um, that was the last year, I think, um, but in this, but break, I'd like to ask, that's, is that out yet, or is that coming soon, that might already be out, I think it is already out, there's links to buy, let me click on that and see what happens, oh my god, just take me to the store, with the book, continue, Boopity boopity boop. Yeah, it oh no. It's on pre you can pre-order it because it is available November 30th, which like is a lot closer than I thought. And so Break I'd like to F has stories from Sierra Simone, Eva Lee, Nicole Nicola Davidson, Adriana Herrera, and Joanna Shoup. Um oh, so that might actually be really good. And Eva Lee's um, the little blurb for hers is the last thing Mrs. Vivian Sparkwell wants is to tie her life to another stifling husband. But thanks to the surprise terms of her last marriage contract, if she refuses any reasonable offer to wed again, she loses her widow's portion. What she needs is a thorough and public ruining to make her would-be suitors cry off. Who better to provide the necessary scandal than notorious rake Russian Cantley? Yet when Rush proposes that his friend, gaming hell bruiser Jack Morgan, join in on the ruination, Vivian can't decide if she's shocked or aroused. How far is too far when infamy is on the line? Oh, because it's called Two Breaks for Mrs. Sparkwell. I should have probably read that first, but whatever, guys. You get the point. (laughs) That sounds delightful. I can't wait. Um, She also has... An education and pleasure looks like it is a contemporary book. Oh no, it is a um a como se dice a historical. Might be interesting. Very cool. And then Operation Holiday Matchmakers. I'm assuming it's a Christmas book, so it may not be available yet. Um, oh, this is Alexis Stanton, so now I'm like, is that also a pen name? Perhapa, perhapa. But yeah, for the Union of the Rake series, my fake rake is book one. Would I, li- would I lie to the Duke is book two. And Waiting for a Scot Like You is book three. And I believe that came out um, earlier this year. 
Um, so you, all three are out there waiting for you to read them and enjoy them. And I think you will, um, because in the world of historical romance, um, this is really, 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 really good um, and really, really enjoyable. So, yes, I'm going to pause here and then I'll be back with Gratitude Attitude. Okay, it's Gratitude Attitude time. Um, And the three things that I'm grateful for this week are, so the first one is I was able to go to Atlanta, Georgia, to see uh, one of my favorite singers, Dermot Kennedy, perform um, at Terminal West. Very small venue, capacity with 625 people. Um, Because it was general admission, I got there mad early. By mad early, I want to say like six-ish. Whereas other people got there earlier. um, And you're like, oh yeah, for a show that starts at like seven or eight? No, no. Um, Start time for the show was 11.59 p.m. But regardless... Got there mad early, got to be front, or like literally I was leaning on the barricade by the stage, and it was absolutely incredible to see him. He is phenomenal live, and I cannot wait to see him again, and I'm just so thankful and so grateful that I was able to be present for such a wonderful um, show. Then the second thing that I am a I'm grateful for. So I decided, I want to say late September, that I really wanted, I'd fallen into this habit of just like being lazy, you know, all that life is crazy, all that jazz. But I was like, let me try and go out for a walk every single day and at least hit a mile. After a mile, if I felt like continuing, that was fine. And if I was like, okay, I walked a mile away from my house, it's time to walk mech which is going to be two miles and I'm done that was also okay um and so basically since like the last week of September every single day I have gone out and I've managed to get like a mile in um at least and there were times where I literally would be in my room like I'm really tired and I don't think I want it but then I'd be like wait but then you're going to break the streak because you've done it every day. And I'm very much one of those people. Like, but I don't want to break the streak if I have a streak. Like, that's just like boo-boo. Um, so competing with myself, of course, I've managed to maintain the streak. And I want to hit all of October. And then I want to hit all of November and all of the, Like, basically, I want to finish out the year like that. And then, like, maybe go into the new year and be like, okay, we're going to commit to two miles. Um because I think it's really easy to be like, I'm too tired, um, this is too hard. But it's also like, if I don't, you know, take care of my health now, then I'm just going to, like, get sickly um, faster. And I don't want that. Um, <laughs> so, and it, it's weird because, it's not weird, but it's very easy when I'm sitting um, at my desk and doing work and whatever to just be like, well it's too much of an effort but once I'm outside and I'm walking it's just like it is really nice to get up and be moving around and just like whether I'm enjoying like a gorgeous sunset not so much now because the sun is setting you know in the afternoon kind of thing or I'm just like enjoying you know the evening the nighttime I'm I'm outside and I'm seeing something different right it's not just the same stuff I've been looking at in my room while I work um and I'm moving my body, and I'm feeling grounded, I guess, because, you know, I'm feeling like, I'm literally feeling the ground beneath my feet as I walk, and that's been really, really nice, and I think that sometimes it's been easy to be like, um, that's not that important, but doing it, and doing it consistently, which is sometimes what's really hard, um, is making me realize, like, no, it is really nice to be able to be like, oh yeah, I'm like grounding myself when I go outside. And because there was, I don't, like last week, there was a day I, around 3 p.m., it was like someone had like siphoned all energy out of me. Like if this was like some sort of animated type of show, you would have seen like my energy meter just like 
and to the point that I was like, I need to lie down for a nap now. And I'm not typically a nap person, so I was kind of like, whoa. Um, but I was also like, but I really don't want to like mess up my streak. So I like set my alarm because I was gonna do like a 45 minute nap, turn it into an hour and a half. But I then got up. And not only did I get up, but I got up, managed to get, like, my shit together to go do laundry, did laundry. And because I'm on the fourth floor walk-up, I don't usually come back to the house. Like, I put the stuff into um, the the washer. It's about a 25-minute cycle. I, like, walk around, depending on um, if I need stuff from Trader Joe's, which is around the corner. I'll go pick that stuff up, whatever. And I usually come back, and I set it to dry. Usually, I do 35 minutes. So in both of those chunks, I don't come back to the apartment because honestly, I'm like, but I want to climb all up on the stairs. I got to come go back down to then come back up again. Like, I just don't want to. Um, so I'll walk around. Or sometimes it's like I do have errands for Like, I need to go to the grocery store and I need to pick up stuff at Trader Joe's or I need to, like, drop stuff off at the post office. So there's stuff to do. But other times it's just like, okay, cool. Um, and I always, like, on my Apple Watch set, like, the time, like, if it, I know the washer's 25 minutes. So I'll usually set 23 minutes. So, like, once it goes off, it's, like, my clothes will be ready in about two minutes. Because when you do your laundry at a laundromat, uh, there are other people who are going to need the machines um, because it ain't your house. Uh, you don't live there. And I like to be conscious of that. I hate when you're, like, trying to do laundry and all the machines are full. And then it's, like, the cycle's done. And you don't want to touch other people's stuff because, it gross. It's other people's stuff. And you wouldn't want them to do that to you. But then they're nowhere to be found. And you're just waiting there and waiting and waiting. And sometimes you're waiting long enough that you just end up having to, like, call the attendant over. And be like, hey, by the way, could you help out with this? Um, and I realized I got very off topic. But all of that to say that I've been making sure to walk a mile or more a day. And I'm very, very grateful for that. <laughs> um, and then the third thing that I'm grateful for. It hasn't technically happened. It's coming. So this Tuesday, October 26th, the next book in the Guild Hunter series, Archangel's Light, will be available. And this time I wasn't able to get an advanced reader copy. And I'm okay because I pre-ordered the book. So I will be up at 12.01 looking at Apple Books, expecting that book to be downloaded. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, I'm going to see that the book is downloaded and I'm going to go sleep. I already know I'm lying. I know I'm not going to sleep. I know that I'm going to like crack it open. And by crack it open, you know, I don't mean literally because it's on the phone screen. Um, but I already know that I'm going to be like, I need to read this. Whether or not I'm insane and don't get any sleep before we're in work. It's a whole other conversation. I don't know, guys. But I am so grateful that this book is about to be here. I am so excited for it. I, If you've ever listened to this podcast, more than one or two episodes, I absolutely love and adore Nalini Singh. I absolutely love and adore all of her books. I've read her entire backlist. Uh, many of the books I've reread them multiple times so this new book is going to I I cannot wait um so I am I am grateful for the anticipation and I am grateful for the literal joy I'm going to experience I am grateful for the fantastic reading experience that I know awaits me you know on Tuesday, October 26th at 12.05 a.m. <laughs> Thanks to the magic of technology. Um, so those are the things I'm grateful for this week. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I will be figuring my life out. But there will be um, more episodes coming your way. I swear. I swear. I'm gonna get my shit together. Yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna do it um, before you know it. Um, you're like, okay. And there will definitely be an Archangel's Light episode, but I will probably do it towards either around Thanksgiving. Um, actually, maybe, yeah, around Thanksgiving, so that there's enough time for those of you who 
really want to like make sure you have no spoilers have had time to read it before you and I mean also this is a podcast like you don't listen to this episode you will be able to listen to the episode whenever you want it I'm just saying I probably won't um release it until and uh late November so there's like a bit of time um unless I'm so fucking blown away that I have to nah I mean I might do it the week before Thanksgiving something around there but I won't be like oh, I'm not going to read the book next Tuesday <clears throat> slash Wednesday <clears throat> lies but you know what I mean um and then be like the following week that no I won't do that to y'all I'll, I'll give it some time and I will probably like because this has ha- this happened to me with like Archangel Sun where I pretty much like I read it so fast because I was just so like excited and I was like oh but what happens next but what happens next and then I had to go back and reread it like a week later um and then again and again um so I'll probably do something like that again so that's why that book you'll get that episode a little little later just so I can really um really grasp it really really well you know with multiple rereads because I know I know I'm going to do them. I just already know <laughs> that they're going to happen. And I'm so excited. So excited. So anyway, thank you guys again for listening. Have a wonderful week. Uh, take care of yourselves. Drink water. I know it's for a lot of us. We're going into the fall. Of course, a lot of y'all are like in spring. But water is necessary all the time and again this is more a reminder of me than you because sometimes i forget that i need agua um but just yeah stay hydrated out there guys everything else is really difficult so you know don't also add dehydration to it that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying thank you again and have a wonderful evening daytime whatever and i'll talk to you guys soon bye